It's time again for The Insiders with Chuck Kuala and Scott Jensen, sponsored by the Wisconsin Counties Association and the Tommy G. Thompson Center on Public Leadership. Hi, I'm Chuck Kuala, former Senate Majority Leader. And I'm Scott Jensen, former Assembly Speaker. We're The Insiders. So there's some legislation out there that's been around for a long time that's been getting a major redo. It's how we regulate and deal with alcohol sales in the state of Wisconsin. A lot of things have changed in how this happens. Scott, what's going on with the legislation and what brought us to this point? Well, you're right. A lot has changed. Um, we essentially got this system uh, coming out of the end of prohibition where uh, the federal government and the states all said that we're going to have a three-tier system where we regulate the producers, the distributors, and then the bars and restaurants uh, who sell alcohol at the retail level. Um, but along the and that was fine for a while, but along the way, there's always a new business model, right, in America. So if someone else shows up and they would like to sell liquor in a different way, uh, or someone would like to produce liquor. So we saw all the craft breweries come up, and then the distilleries, and then the small wineries, and they all wanted to be treated, they couldn't be treated like the major producers. They would never be able to survive like that. Um, there are other folks who came in and said, well, we'd like to be able to sell alcohol by mail, all the beer of the month clubs, or and then you had the internet sales that from direct from a winery. All those things are kind of going around the system that was built. And so each year, practically, the legislature has to do something to patch up that system. And it's been going on for, gosh, almost a century now. And finally, they have said, we need to do a major reset because all these patches have resulted in all sorts of unlevel playing fields with people that are competitors. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the winners of this, I think all the incumbent players surely ended up being winners in this. Um, I think most of the new entrants um, that we've seen the last uh, few decades have come out better uh, than they were before. The one that probably is a loser in this is, is the wedding barns because they sort of considered themselves to be an event venue. We're not a bar or a restaurant. Why do we need a liquor license? Why do we need to be treated like those bars and restaurants? And the bars and restaurants said, well, because you're taking away our business. Weddings are a big deal where we are and you're competing against us. You should have to play by the same rules as us. So that's one group I think that probably that that will continue to rub and will probably come and revisit that subject several more times. But uh, this was a much needed reset of the whole thing, though I, it's not done, right? I mean, there's always going to be another business model. There's always going to be another idea that someone has when it comes to alcohol. Um, and they're either going to have to keep revisiting the system forever or realize that maybe the three-tier system that we came out of uh, the uh, prohibition with is probably uh, not right for the 21st century, but we'll see. Well, that I think that Scott gave a good summary of, of this, except that I, I would like to take a little step backwards and, and or farther back from it and look at it this way. Uh, back when Scott and I were in the legislature, this was this was around and it was a significant thing. I think the dynamics were such that I looked at it after I looked at it for a while and realized it was kind of the Wisconsin millionaires against the national and international billionaires. Mm -hmm. And so I think this was one area where you could get bipartisan support because it was our, our wealthy people, but not as wealthy as the outsiders. And shouldn't they be protected? And they provided good jobs. And that's kind of what happened. What it shows you is how the legislature responds to major financial interests in this state. 
And if you wanted to do, if, if I ever taught a, a graduate level course in politics, this would be one area that I would take. Why? Because it would allow both Democratic and Republican students to be able to look at an issue and look at how economics plays in without a partisan tilt. Because there isn't really a Democratic way or a Republican way to do this other than who's got the biggest money to bring to the table. So here's what happens. What happened is that the world changed. We went from a situation where there were the international or the national billionaires and the Wisconsin uh, distributor millionaires. And what happened is all of a sudden there were all these unusual, as Scott pointed out, craft breweries, wine places, wedding barns even, but you know, even fairly large beer entities that we probably all could name in the state of Wisconsin. And at the same time, that resulted in a reduction in the, in, the, in the value of places like Miller Brewing. Notice they got bought out, so they're no longer Wisconsin, don't have quite the same thing. So all of these change, things were changing, and the dynamics of who was in power and who had the most money to bring to the table was being kind of uh, dirtied up by a situation where you had all sorts of small players, oftentimes right in the backyard of some legislator, who were saying, hey, it's unfair that what's going on here. That unfairness was there before, but now it was really in sharper relief because it was in your district. This is the kind of thing that a good political science teacher could use to take a nonpartisan issue and teach people about the influence of money and how things happen and how you can beat that influence, et cetera. But to me, it's a case study in a very interesting phenomenon, but at the end of the day, follow the money. Oh, you're absolutely right, Chuck, about the, the influence of, of money and all this, but you're also right, I think, in the notion that there's this huge sympathy in legislators for small businesses, local businesses, someone who takes their savings and invests it in a new idea, they're out there, it's popular, and suddenly someone comes along and says, yeah, but you are not in compliance with a system we set up 90 years ago. Um, and they're like, well, I'm not part of that. Well, yes, you are. And that's how we got to this sort of thing. And I thought what's fascinating here is um, in the end, there's a there was a, a quite a deal of sympathy for small business and these new entrants in the reset that was done here in the legislature. And, um, and, and there, were, there are so many elements easy. to this that are so interesting, like well, coming out of prohibition and why we never in the United States, we don't allow a lot of regulation. Even the antitrust stuff is really freaking weak. We know that it's really weak. So what? why is it that this area was so regulated? Well, it's because of the prohibition thing and, there, and all the regulation they did before prohibition. There's all of these issues. And then 90 years later, it finally gets changed. And so there are a lot of different elements to study here as a political scientist, as an economist, whatever. And it's really the kind of thing that people should take some time to look at. But it's dreadfully boring. So nobody on the outside really cares. It's important, though. It is important. We'll see you get an old fashioned with that fish fry. You got to make sure that <laughs> there that can you happen. Go. We'll see you next time, guys. You've been listening to The Insider with Chuck Kuala and Scott Jensen, sponsored by the Wisconsin Counties Association and the Tommy G. Thompson Center on Public Leadership.